Welcome to the Monday edition of Couch Potato Diary, coming to you from the Clearwater Cleaning Solutions broadcast studio. Clearwater Cleaning Solutions is a locally owned commercial and residential cleaning company who specializes in commercial cleaning from shared workspaces and commercial buildings to medical clinics, retail stores, production facilities, and high-rise building maintenance. Check them out online, clearwatercleaningsolutions.com. So for some of you, um, this will be the second time you hear me today. Earlier today, I was actually gearing up and like ready to record. And then the news broke that the Calgary Flames traded for Tyler Toffoli in a deal with the Montreal Canadiens. We talked about all of that on twitch.tv slash primetimepk. You found out about it from Twitter, twitter.com slash primetimekline. Uh, I'm also at primetimekline on Instagram. You can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. So, um... Quick thoughts on the Defoli trade, went into it in a little bit more detail on Twitch, and I'll post that as a bonus episode here a little bit later on today, but I think it's a home run trade for the for the Flames. I don't think they give up a ton in this. The first round pick is obviously the headliner, but that is probably not going to be a very high first round pick. I think it gives the Flames three legitimately terrifying lines to play against, and I, I just... I think it's an absolute home run for the Calgary Flames. But more of those thoughts are on Twitch. You can catch the replay of it now on twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and we'll post the show as a bonus episode on yeah a little bit later on today. This one is all about the NFL, and it's all about the UFC. We talked about it on um, Friday, a big weekend for the Ultimate Fighting Championship and for the NFL. We'll start with the NFL Super Bowl LVI now in the books, the 56th edition of the Super Bowl will go down as a very, very good game. Um, not all time great, but this was an excellent football game. It was dramatic, which is what you want um, at the end of what was a really weird season in the NFL, but you just want the last couple of minutes of the season to mean something. And it did. And there are a number of different takeaways coming out of this game. We talked about the national spotlight being on two of the best players in the game and Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald. And with that spotlight on them, with the game hanging in the balance with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Kanye West watching through a couple holes in a ski mask or whatever kind of mask that was, with the entire world watching, those two guys delivered. And that is going to be the, the takeaway for me from Super Bowl 56. That is going to be the lasting impression of this Super Bowl and really of this NFL season is that these top players stepped up with the game on the line. We talk about being able to run the ball when the entire stadium knows you're going to be running. Well, this was the passing example of that. The entire football watching world, which on Sunday night was almost the entire world, knew that the Rams on that last drive were going to try to force feed Cooper Cup the ball, and it didn't matter. Cooper Cup really established himself as the best receiver in the game. And we'll get to the penalties in a little bit, but that is part of the benefit of having the best receiver in the league is that sometimes it's difficult to cover those guys. And you are going to be able to take advantage of that in the form of penalties. But Cooper Cup was just phenomenal on that last drive. It makes you wonder why they weren't getting him the ball a little bit more, but it, it still, it worked out in the end for the, the LA Rams. And then it was Aaron Donald's time to shine. With the spotlight, the brightest it could be for a defensive player, he came through in the biggest way. The pressure on Burroughs at the end of the game, I think is the defining moment of the Super Bowl to me. But you look at those last two plays where the defense stands tall and Aaron Donald is right in the middle of it. And then he gets to do the celebration, pointing at the ring finger after it was all said and done. Just excellent, excellent stuff. I hope he doesn't retire. The, the 
the NFL is a far worse place without Aaron Donald in it. So uh, a phenomenal performance. And I, I thought coming into this one, that was one of the, the storylines for me is that you have the spotlight on these two guys who should have the spotlight and they came through not in the first quarter, the second quarter, the her, uh, third quarter. I mean, they played well in those quarters, but when the game mattered the most, when the season mattered the most, the biggest moments of their footballing lives, they came up with the biggest plays. And it, it just, all of it pays off for the LA Rams. And we can talk about whether it's too aggressive and giving up too much of the future or whatever. Banners fly forever, man. And this championship ends up being worth it. Uh, they don't win this game with Jared Goff at quarterback. They don't win this game. I know he wasn't a, a dominant force, but they don't win this game without Von Miller. And he was gone for most of the game and you saw the difference it made they don't win this game without Odell Beckham Jr.'s contributions early in it this was I mean obviously they won the championship but when you go out and acquire these star players Jalen Ramsey had a bad game and but he is the acquisition from the last time um but this is what you want you want the massive acquisitions that you make to go out and contribute and they did that and they they did that in in meaningful football winning ways Excellent to see. And uh, again, cannot, cannot um, congratulate the Rams enough. And for, for Matthew Stafford, th there was a lot that he had to adjust to, and it took some time, but it's, it's almost like the time in Detroit was a training moment for Stafford here. Like, okay, we're down. We can't run the ball to save our lives. And we only have one real viable NFL option to pass to. Let's go win a Super Bowl. That's basically his default setting from his days in Detroit. The injuries killed them in this game, and it really took the offense out of kind of the middle part of this football game, including an injury to Matthew Stafford, but they eventually get going. The issue I have with how the Rams kind of handled this, Sean McVay did not have a good game. Um, for being an offensive genius, he sure didn't have much clue with what to do um, with this game. And it's, it's one thing when plan... A is a very smart one. But when plan A goes out the window when Odell Beckham Jr.'s knee explodes and Tyler Higby gets hurt, you need to have a better plan B than, well, hey, can we run the ball 22 times for 44 yards? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, Simmons was bringing up, they, they showed the run expected, um, expected run yards charts at the, the game. And like, it's, it's based off of a number of different factors, but the, the Rams were at minus 39. Like they, they just, they had an awful game running the ball. And the, the frustrating part was they just kept doing it and they kept doing it. Like you, you would get a bit of momentum with a pass and then, okay, well let's run it on first down. Cause we have two more downs to pass on. And we've talked before about how that's an antiquated way of thinking and not something that you would think an offensive genius would be a part of. And again, to be fair, it is difficult to call some plays when two of your top three options are out of the game and then the other team's run defense is better than you thought it was going to be. It is tough to say, hey, just go figure this out. But when half the league is falling over themselves to get guys who talk to you in the lunch line once, this is your time to figure it out. I, I thought they stuck with the run game way too long. And at the end, when they're interviewing everyone with a confetti falling down, Matthew Stafford said, yeah, we just designed some plays to get Cooper Cup the ball. It's like that... That's great that you did that in the last two minutes. And maybe it was just like some kind of real advanced rope-a-dope there. But maybe we could have figured that one out midway through the third quarter. That th This guy who played five snaps this season maybe isn't... And the dude who dropped a ball in the NFC Championship game, maybe those aren't my best options. Let's, uh, let, let's try to get Cooper Cup the ball. I don't know why it took until the two-minute drive in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl to figure out that that should have been the, the way that everything went along. But credit... 
a lot of the credit because of the big names and the, the game uh, play at the end is going to go to the offense. Credit the defense, especially in the second half of this game for the LA Rams. We talked about the adjustments that Cincinnati made in the second half of the AFC championship game. In this game, it was some adjustments that the Rams made in the second half of the, the Super Bowl that ends with them hoisting the Lombardi trophy at the end. There was more movement on the defensive line, um, much more aggressive with their uses of uh, stunts and things like that to either create openings for Aaron Donald or take advantage of an offensive line that is too focused on Aaron Donald and creating some openings for for some other guys. I, I thought that the creativity on the Rams side of the ball was exceptional. And I, even in my initial thoughts on this game, I didn't give enough credit to the Cincinnati Bengals defense. That defense played a hell of a football game. And... The, the run defense was phenomenal. Their pass rush, I thought, really got in the way of a few things that the Rams were trying to do. The Cincinnati Bengals defense played a hell of a lot better than I expected them to. And I'll admit, I was getting a little bit cocky. It is 13-3 to start the game, and I'm like, yo, I, I'm ready to come on this podcast on Monday and just absolutely carve up anyone who even had a thought of forming their lips in the way of predicting a Bengals victory. Uh, shame on you. And then the, the Bengals defense steps up and they were able to stay in that game. And I, from that point on, I thought they played very, very, very well. So I think credit needs to go to the Cincinnati defense for Joe Burrow. This is obviously a frustrating game and hopefully the knee injury is all right. He clearly was in some pain after that. And that offense clearly was not the same in the fourth quarter on that last drive where they had a, a chance to seal the game. And I think that kind of messed up the play calling there. But you look at the end of the game and how you can run that ball on third and one in that situation where they just get stopped short and it's okay, it's fourth and one. This is the ball game now. I, I'm i blown away that that was the play call. I think it was Pirine that they ran it with. Like that. that's just, that needs to be so far down your play calling chart in that situation. That's a play that you, I will give this a try. And if not, it's four down territory on the like 35 yard line in the third quarter. That can't be your play with your season on the line in a Super Bowl that you weren't expected to get to. And it's it's one thing that that's one thing I always caution against this narrative is, oh, well, look, I mean, we're, we're ahead of schedule. We weren't expected to get to this point. It's like, yeah, you weren't expected to get to this point, A, because well, maybe the rest of your team isn't all that good. Very good team. I don't want to give, take anything away from them, but... There, there were a couple of reasons why you weren't expected to get to this point. And by the way, those exist next year in the form of the Chiefs and the Bills. And we've talked at length about how insane this conference is. It is not a given that this team gets back there. So this felt like a... I, I feel for Bengals fans today because this game, they had it. This game was in their grasps and it slipped away. And I know, getting now to my favorite part of podcasts, I know that a lot of people are going to be focused on, especially those who are wearing Bengals jerseys, are going to be focused on, we had this game and it slipped through our fingers, dot, 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 because of the referees. And I just have no sympathy for blaming the referees in this game. Was that hold on the final drive that kind of kept the thing alive? Was that a soft call? Yes, it was. The one thing referees do look for is that arm around the receiver, and he had that. It wasn't inhibiting the receiver in any way. It is a soft call. It shouldn't have been called. I, I fully I fully understand that. However, no way can you miss that Higgins call at the touchdown, uh, on the touchdown, or no call on the touchdown, to start the second half. 
and then complain about the officiating at the end of the game from a Bengals standpoint. I don't know how the referees missed that Higgins one. It's like the the referee is just going, Oh, how did Ramsey fall? Huh, must have just slipped. Oh, well. Like, he just, like, must have still had his head in the halftime show and then looked up. Oh, Ramsey fell. That's weird. Huh. Must have tripped. Weird turf here in LA. And missed his head getting turned sideways by the refer or by, by Higgins to open him up for a touchdown. So, spare me with the... Oh, the referees cost us the game. It's ringed for Los Angeles. Get all the way the fuck out of here. If the NFL was going to rig it, you think your asses would have been in the Super Bowl? No. No, they they would have rigged the Vegas game so that you guys wouldn't have made it. There's not a chance. Rigged? Get the fuck out of here with rigged, the referees cost us. I don't know, man. Referees suck sometimes. And they sucked in a very big way that benefited you in this game. So spare me with that. Also, those pass interference calls against Cooper Cup are pass interference calls. That you grab the jersey, you're getting called a thousand times out of a hundred. Normally, you grab a dude's face mask and send him flying across Southern California. You end up getting a penalty call on that as well, but you got the benefit of the doubt on there. And then... To worry about penalty calls going up against the best receiver in the league? Yeah, they're going to happen. So don't even, don't even bring that up. And again, you had the ball with over a minute left. All you needed was a field goal for already one of the best field goal kickers in the league. It's not like the referees handed the Rams a touchdown with two seconds left. The Bengals still had an opportunity to win this football game, and it did not come down to penalties. It did not come down to officials. It came down to the weakness of the Bengals exposed itself at the most important time of the year. They could not block Aaron Donald. They could not establish the line of scrimmage on two very important plays, and it cost them the Super Bowl. Not the refs, not Roger Goodell, not some far-fetched scheme of rigging the Super Bowl for a league that let Cincinnati in in the first place. No, this team lost this game because of piss poor coaching and lack of execution at the game's most important time. Also, I would just like to state for the record that if you're a Bengals fan, and I've seen a few, you can't just shrug off the phantom whistle against the Raiders that, while again, I'm not using that as a reason that the Raiders lost, again, because they had the ball at the five with a few seconds left to to potentially win that game. So at that point, any official's call leading to that, it doesn't matter. But a whistle just blew in the middle of a play, and the Bengals still got a touchdown off of that. And Bengals fans will glide, uh, gladly turn a blind eye to that. But now you want to cry buddy murder when this happens to you? Get the fuck out of here. Doesn't work that way. This was an excellent game. The, the halftime show was phenomenal. Loved every minute of it. Um, the, the game was great. It's a, a fantastic season for the, the National Football League, and I'm going to miss football. I miss it already, uh, but this was this was a great game. We'll get into a little bit more of the X's and O's coming up on Friday, but overall, just an, an excellent, excellent game, and I, I'm going to miss football, but what a way to finish the season. music that you hear on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find them on Instagram at Wasted Talent, which X is where the A's would be, and you can find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. 
the other big event from the weekend, UFC 271, Israel Adesanya is still your middleweight champion of the world as he defeats Robert Whitaker on scorecards of 48-47 times two and 49-46, which is a little, hmm, but um, great fight. Really good, a technical chess match. Like, this isn't a, I don't think they need to change the, the top 10 UFC fights of all time lists or anything like that, but this was a, a very, very close fight. And if you ended up scoring this bout for Whitaker, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Like, I, I can at least see where you're coming from. I, I don't think in any case anyone gets robbed in this fight. The first round goes to Adesanya. The fifth round clearly goes to Whitaker. I had the second for Whitaker and then three and four going for Adesanya. I know that there is some um, differences when it comes to, to those, but every round was close. And that's where it gets tough for Whitaker because it's, and we talked about this on the, the, the instant reaction show. We'll get again into a bit more X's and O's conversation. I just kind of want to do a broad storyline of this, but for Whitaker, this is such a difficult thing because that opportunity that he had, like, it, again, it's right there for him. He he just do a little bit more with a couple of those takedowns or land a little bit more impactfully or check a couple of leg kicks and he's the middleweight champion setting up for a big money trilogy fight some point probably in a stadium in Australia somewhere. And he is better than every middleweight in the world not named Israel Adesanya, but now he's lost to Israel Adesanya twice. It puts him in such a tough spot and He's going to go back and watch the film of that and just think it was right there. Because, I like, Israel Adesanya was not impeccable on this night. He was not untouchable on this night. He he was very good, and he has a better sense of distance than anyone. And the, the trouble for Whitaker is that the thing that he was having success with, with was the thing that got him caught in the first fight and was the thing that he said he would never do or he wouldn't do again in this bout. And I... I, I think that would be a difficult thing to kind of wrap your head around. And so for him now, what's next is basically just wait for Israel Adesanya to, to move up because people talk about, oh, he's close to cleaning out division. He basically has. Like, we got a guy who's moving down from heavyweight to fight now. <laughs> um, uh, Cannoneer has to be next after the performance he has. But, like, there's there's only a couple of fights left at 185 for Israel Adesanya before I think he permanently moves up to 205 pounds. And at that point, Whitaker is there to to kind of fill in that spot. But it's just, it's such a tough spot. But for, for Israel Adesanya, those leg kicks were a problem. His sense of distance is phenomenal. And now I think he has firmly planted himself as the second best middleweight in the history of this sport. Israel, or, or sorry, Anderson Silva is always going to be first. That title reign was just I don't think Izzy can get close to the feeling that there was of inevitability around an Anderson Silva title fight. And also, the longevity of that was insane. Like, we're, we're coming up on three years of this for Israel Adesanya. We were talking about, like, a decade for Anderson Silva. So, it's just... Um... It's just different when it comes to Adesanya versus Anderson Silva for the, the middleweight crown. But you look at anyone else's re resume, a middleweight doesn't come close. Like Adesanya has beat the number two guy now twice and everyone else he has kicked the shit out of at middleweight. He has the, the setback at 205 pounds, but every other fight in middleweight, it hasn't been close. He is so much better than everyone else. And that is something else that you have to judge these legacy uh, legacies on is looking at like 
how much better they were compared to the people they were fighting at the time. And Israel Adesanya is lapping everyone right now. But just, I thought a great performance. I thought he was a little bit too reliant on the countering at points and needed to be a little bit more aggressive to really put this fight away. But he ends up doing enough to get the win. Tied to Ivasa, welcome to relevance. What a fight that was. The chin on that dude to take bomb after bomb after bomb from Derek Lewis and then get up and start throwing some of your own, and then you get the faceplant knockout. Just a, a, a phenomenal night, and a star is born for the Ultimate Fighting Championship. I don't know if this guy's going to ever win a championship. He's probably going to get to a point where he's challenging for a title, just it's heavyweight. And, I mean, you look at the, the landscape at heavyweight right now, there's not a ton of guys who are really knocking on the door for Francis Ngannou. There's a reason why dude's looking for a fight in boxing. I mean, there's a couple reasons why. Several million would be one of them but this was a great showing and he is he is so likable he has the personality that is just infectious like he has a lot of those boxes checked off does he win against a francis and ganu probably not does he win against a cyril gone absolutely not but that might be it at heavyweight i i just want to see him against another top level heavyweight and then if he gets through that give this dude a title shot like it's th there are People have got title shots for less than being likable and pretty good in the UFC. So I, I think Taito Ivasa might have a title shot with his name on it at some point after this performance. Full card breakdown coming up on Friday. We had an instant reaction podcast to this late Saturday night. Again, from twitch.tv slash primetimepk. Uh, before we close the show today, the women's hockey final is set at the Olympics. It is Canada against the United States. I know, we're stunned. Doesn't mean it shouldn't happen motherfuckers out there writing those stories can all fuck off but this is such an intriguing matchup because canada has blown everyone out but their game against the states i think they were soundly outplayed in one because they're goalie but that is when you look back on how these teams have fared over the last couple of years, that's a blip on the radar. Canada has started to take control back of this rivalry, but we know because we really rested on these laurels for a bit in this country, this is the one that matters. Like the, the world championships are big. Obviously they're big, uh, especially in competing with the with these two teams. And the rivalry series, every game of that is important, but this is the one that you get to hold over for four years. That This is the, the granddaddy of them all for this rivalry and if Canada can get that one back in their control it's a major step in getting this rivalry back on Canada's side I can't wait for the game coming up on Wednesday uh, I had on my notes here to talk about the Flames dominant win again as they're playing great we covered the Flames at length on Twitch earlier today um, and that's going to be again bonus podcast coming up a little bit later on but this Flames team looked legit before and then they got Tyler to Foley I'm I love the direction this Flames team is going. The thing that you like is that they're not just squeaking by some of these teams. They are really putting a hurting on these teams during this win streak. You, you see the Leafs talking about, like, kind of reassessing where they think the team is at after the, the Flames beat them up the other night. So the way this Flames team is going, and now you add Tyler to Foley, I, I said it on Twitch, and I'll say it here. I think this Flames team is, at worst, the third-best team in the Western Conference right now, and I, I am stunned that I'm saying that. I, I never thought I would get to that point with this Flames 
15. So that's going to do it on here. Again, thank you all so much. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever possible. Uh, follow me on twitch.tv slash primetimepk. We're really trying to grow that side of things. You can follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. I am at primetimecline. You can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Twitch.tv slash primetimepk tomorrow. Going to be doing the all-time flames franchise. That is Tuesdays and Thursdays. We're going to mix in some Wednesday and Friday content on there as well. So, a lot from me coming out, and I'm, I'm so excited about all of it. I'll talk to you guys later this week. I'm out.